0: Hey friends, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to personally welcome you to our podcast. At TC, we exist to see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. Good morning, TC. Let's give it up for Jesus all across this place. Come on. Amazing, amazing, amazing. So listen, I remember the first time I got arrested. <sighs> what a way to start. I remember the first time I got arrested, I was 15 years old. I know some of you are like, what were you doing at 15? Don't worry. I wasn't doing what I was doing at 13. But nonetheless, I remember I got arrested and, and uh, the, the, they asked me, they said, who do you want to call? And I said, I don't care who you call as long as it's not my dad. <laughs> I was like, "I said, just don't call my dad. Call my mom. Call my principal. Call my neighbor. Don't call anyone just don't call my dad, is what I told him. They called my dad. And so, in all fairness, I think they called my house, and my dad picked up. And uh, he said, said, if I don't come get, they said, you need to come get your son. If he said, if I don't come get him, what happens? They said, we'll let him go tomorrow. He's like, let him stay. (laughs) So there's a lesson for parents. Uh, If your kids do something stupid, let them suffer the consequences. Anyways, all right, so but I remember uh, dealing with that, like, just don't call my dad. And here's a question I have for you. Have any of you ever felt that way about God before? Like, have you ever been in some stuff and you're like, oh, God, just don't, like, don't look at me right now. You know, you know God sees everything. But, you, like, have you ever felt that that type of shame in reference to, like, knowing you're messing up and you don't know how you feel, how God's looking at you? Right? And so... I want to take us back to the story of Jesus this week because we've been doing this nothing but a G thing as we've been diving into the gospel and how the gospel works in us. And today we're going to talk a little bit about grace. But I want us to go back to Matthew 26 today. We're going to spend some time in the beginning and then we're going to bounce around as we move through this message. And I remember, if you remember, there's a story of Jesus and he's getting ready to go to the cross. And as it's leading up to him going to the cross, um, Judas makes a plot to give up Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, right? And so he gives up Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Jesus gets arrested. He gets tried, right? And he's in prison, and then he gets beaten. And if you know that story, we're kind of fast-forwarding through that because we covered that over the last few weeks getting and then got into Easter. Um, but what I want to go back and do is this week I actually want to look at A few things that happened when they sat down to eat together for the last time. And that's what we're going to pick up in in Matthew 26, uh, verses 20 through 21. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve, right? Talking about his disciples. And while they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. Let's jump down to verse 25. And that's where then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me. And Jesus answered, you have said so, which I believe is like biblical terms for like, come on, man. Like, Right. Uh, And so he says, you have said so. So Jesus identifies what Judas is about to do. But then let's keep on going immediately after Jesus takes communion with them. He eats with them, which I always think is interesting because he identifies that Judas is about to betray him and then hands him bread. Like, if you're about to betray me, I'm going to hand you something, but it ain't bread. you know what I'm talking about? It might be these hands, but it might not be anything in these hands. <laughs> Rated E for Okay, so let's pick up at verse 31 and 34. Uh, then Jesus told them, this very night you will all, say all, all, fall away on account of me. Peter speaks up, and he says, even if they all fall away on account of you, I never will. And I feel like Jesus was looking at Peter like, oh, so I wasn't clear. (laughs) I said, all. Peter's like, not me. Jesus said, hmm. All right. He goes, truly, I tell you, jump down to verse 34. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And so they sit down for the last meal together. And essentially, Jesus says, all of you are going to blow it tonight. You're all going to miss the mark. And And... We see two people showing up at dinner in particular, though. We see Peter and Judas. And I think that it's interesting that Peter showed up arrogant. Judas pretends to be ignorant, but they're both inadequate. I'm going to say it again. Peter shows up as arrogant. Judas pretends to be ignorant, but they're both inadequate. And as they start to move forward, I started thinking about how, isn't there something about the presence of God that makes us feel inadequate too? Like, isn't there something about, as we try to draw close to God, in our drawing close to God, it identifies the things in us that are just all kinds of jacked up. Like, think about this for a second. Like, let's say your main goal in life is to be a good person. Isn't it true that the closer you get to God, the more you realize you're not very good anyways, and kind of shame starts to set in? Let's say your goal in life is to be free. But the closer you get to God, the the more you realize that everything you're trying to be free in in this world puts you more into bondage. Let's say your goal in life is is to just be whoever you think you are, to identify within yourself. Isn't it true that the more you identify with yourself, the less you identify with God and the more isolation sets in? What we can all recognize is the closer we get to God, the more we realize there's something wrong in us. But here's the good news. Jesus doesn't look at any of us in that and say what we feel like he says. He actually says something different. I mean, truth be told, inadequacy makes us feel the same way I did when I was 15, which is, hey, just don't call dad. How many of you ever been at a place in your life where as you were messing up, the only thing you didn't want was for God to see you? Anybody? Can anybody relate to that? But how many of us... Maybe we've thought about this, maybe we haven't. The closer, the more we mess up, the closer we should get to God. So why is it the very thing that Jesus came for, being the sin and the things of our life we haven't got together, is the very thing that makes us feel like we can't come to him in the first place? And I think we've all got a twisted view of what grace actually is, because... Jesus didn't come for them. And in matter of fact, I put it in your notes this way, a question that I want you to think about for just a second. Does God's grace make you feel free or make you feel guilty? Because I don't know about you, I grew up in church environments where the grace of God made me always feel guilty about something. And don't get me wrong, I was. You know what I'm saying? Like, like man, I just feel guilty. It's like, well, I mean, you know, you did cuss out the McDonald's employee. It's like, all right, all right, calm down, right? So like, so do I am I missing it? Yeah, I'm missing it. But here's the thing, and this is what's beautiful, is let's go to Mark 2:17, and this is a passage where Jesus is getting questioned about eating with tax collectors and sinners. So the Pharisees come to him and say, Why are you eating with tax collectors and sinners? And this is his response. I think it's beautiful. He says, Jesus said to them, It's not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. He says, I didn't come to call the righteous. In other words, I didn't come to call the ones who had it all together. I came to call sinners. I came to call the ones who didn't have it all together. And just so we're clear, maybe you're still new to Transformation Church. Maybe you're new to this environment. I just want to help you out for a second. We are all jacked up people in here. So, like, if you have some issues, welcome to the party. All right? So, like, right. If you're looking for the perfect church, don't walk through the door because you'll screw it up. <laughs> and there's no one else in it. Okay, so like the reality is this, but, but 1 Timothy 1:15, Paul puts it this way. And I think it's beautiful because this is, this is where we're at. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And this is what he says. This is God that writes two-thirds of the New Testament, of, I, of which I am the worst. And so Paul says, I don't even have it all together, but God's grace is coming after me and so this is beautiful because Jesus looks at the apostles and he doesn't say get out he says stay and how many of you have ever felt like because of your shortcomings God is looking at you and saying get out how many is a, maybe a church environment or something like that maybe other Christians because of your shortcomings you felt like because you were messed up you needed to get out and what I love about this story between Judas and Peter is that he doesn't say get out he says stay He said, all of you are going to blow it. Let's eat. Which I really think that's what Jesus was about. Grace, not eating. Sorry. I (laughs) don't want to confuse that. I know that could have been, anyways, maybe both. I don't know. All right, so, but listen to me. Jesus saw their faults. He saw saw their mess ups. He says, you're going to mess this up. Listen to me. So stick around. I want you to understand something for your life. Jesus is looking at you saying, Hey, you're going to screw this up. You're going to mess this up. That's not permission to. It's just him recognizing we got some issues. Jesus looks at us and says, you're going to mess this up. So listen to me, stay. For those of you at home, Jesus is looking at you and he's saying, you're not going to get it all together. So stay. Not you need to get it all together so that you can Stay. He says you're never going to get it all together, so you need to stay. This is this beautiful picture of grace that Jesus is giving us with his disciples. Listen, you got this issue. you got this fault. you got this unforgiveness problem. you got this bitterness issue. you got these anger things that are grabbing a hold of you. For some of you, you've got this depression and anxiety stuff that's gripped your heart. You, you can't let go of what someone did to you so many years ago. You're still hurt by somebody, and you're still holding it against them. You've got this cutting issue, this addiction. You've got this thing that's got a hold of your life. I'm here to tell you right now, that's the very reason Jesus wants you close by. Not the reason he's asking you to leave. And so can we come to Jesus with this real picture of grace? Because here's the idea. For many of us, we love to be close enough to Jesus to know he's real, but not close enough to Jesus to change. Because God brings us close, but then he helps us start dealing with our stuff. So if you come to Jesus, but you're still the same, then maybe you didn't come to Jesus at all. You just got close enough to know he's real. But Jesus comes on the scene because he actually wants to do something. Now that we get grace, he says, all right, now we're going to do something with this grace. And so that's why it's so important. So let's, I want to look at what, what uh, grace accomplishes in our life. Three things that grace accomplishes in our life, all right? And to do that, we want to highlight a few things, and I'm going to show you what grace accomplishes. But the first thing I want you to understand that we see in our life, right, is that condemnation only exists for those things that we refuse to change. And the way that it is on the screen, uh, I'm rewording it in my notes a little bit. Grace brings condemnation to those that refuse to change, but I want you to understand something about that. It's condemnation only exists for those things we refuse to change. So maybe you felt like everything's coming against you, but I'm here to show you that it's only the things that we love more than Jesus that grace isn't present for. It's only the things that we love more than Jesus that grace doesn't cover. Why? Because we're highlighting those things more than we're highlighting Christ. All right. So so what we refuse to change is what we love more than him. And so here's what I want you to grab a hold of is this reality that grace is both costly and free to us. Say costly? Say free? Grace is both costly and free to us. This is what I mean by that. It's free as in it didn't cost you anything. How many guys are grateful for the grace of Jesus Christ that did not cost you anything, right? But here's what I want to tell you. It's going to cost you everything. You get it for free, but yet when we follow Jesus, we give up everything to follow him. It didn't cost us anything to be saved by it, and yet to live by it, it costs us everything. And here's the thing about repentance, right? It's because uh, when we, the Bible says that we gotta, when we're coming to Jesus and we receive grace, we gotta repent. And for some people, they think it's an apology. For some people, they think it's an acknowledgement. Like, hey, I'm screwing this up. So God forgive me so I can go back to it. Right? Some of us think of repentance as like Catholic confession. Where it's like we go to a box and we're like, hey, I did this stuff. I'm glad this thing's in between us so you can't really see who this is. But I did these things, and I just got to tell somebody about it. And then we just go back. But here, repentance, let me just help you for a second if I can. But repentance is I was going this direction, and now I'm going this direction. That's it. I, was go- I wanted to do these things, and I was doing these things, and now I still want to do those things, but I'm going to do these things. That's all it is. It's changing the direction that we're going. And here's what I want you to understand is that, is that the, the gospel allows you to feel the heaviness. And stay with me for a second because I changed some things in my notes that they didn't get on the screen. So, uh, so stay with me for a second. The gospel allows you to feel the heaviness of holding on to your weights or the freedom of laying it all down. I want you to say that again. The gospel, the good news about what Jesus has done for you, it lets you feel the heaviness of carrying all of your weight, all of the sin, all the things you've messed up, or it lets you feel the freedom of laying it all down. And this is the hard part, right? Because I want you to understand something for a second. And I just want to speak this over. For some of you, I feel like it's going to help you. Can I declare something to you? That might have been your experience, but it's not who you are. Listen to me for a second. What you went through might have been your experience, but it's not who you are. What that person did to you might have been your experience, but it doesn't define you. Right? So you are not the abused, you are not the broken, you are not the hurting, you are not the addict, you are not the one who can't stop, you are not the one who was hurt, you are not the one, did you experience that? Sure, but it's not who you are. And as long as we keep living under this identity of brokenness, we'll never see the fullness of what God wants to be doing in our lives. But our identity to our brokenness holds us captive. And listen, that's why Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says this. Look, it says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight, say weight, that keeps slowing us down. For some of us, we're trying to run after God with everything we can, but we feel like we're doing it with 100 pounds of weight just hanging us down. He says you need to throw all that aside, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. How many of you right now, you're trying to go after God. You got this one thing that every time you hit it, you go face first into shame. Only seven of us. Cool. (laughs) Rest of y'all lying. (laughs) Now, if we're all honest, we got that thing, right? And, And so this is what he says. But listen, this is what he says so that we can let us run the race. Let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. And this is what he says. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, right? Listen, not anything else. Not your past. Not your brokenness. Not what that person did to you. How many of you drove here? Raise your hand. How many of you drove here looking in your rearview mirror the whole time? You didn't because you're here. For some of you, you're driving through life looking in a rearview mirror, and you can't figure out why you keep crashing into things. You've wrecked your relationships, you've wrecked your marriage, you've wrecked your business, you've wrecked your relationship with your kids, you've wrecked everything because you're living in a rearview mirror. And God's saying, man, the windshield's way bigger. Yeah, but I can't let go of this thing. Yeah, but look at all this. I'm not saying it didn't happen. It's there. And if you want to look back there, You can. But it's not going to get you where you're trying to go when you're moving forward. So that's what he's putting in front of us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. And this is the great part. That's what I love about the champion who initiates. Say, initiates. So he starts it and perfects. Say, perfects. That means he'll complete it. He started it and he finishes it. You know what I mean? Like, he's the one doing it of what? Our faith. So here's one of the first things I want you to grab a hold of when it comes to grace grace brings forgiveness grace brings forgiveness. Now I know that sounds like a very like corny cliche, uh, Christian cliche. I mean like grace brings forgiveness. But it becomes real when you make it part of you. Everything you feel like keeps separating you from God. Hear me. Grace covers that. So that you can stand close to him again, not close to him like a beaten puppy. Close to him like you belong. And that's the great part. The second thing uh, that grace kind of does in our life, grace helps us with conviction, but conviction identifies the things Jesus is getting out of us. Conviction identifies, grace brings conviction, but conviction identifies the things Jesus is getting out of us. I'll never forget, um, this has actually happened to Pastor Dan a number of times, and it's happened to me a number of times. I'll have someone come to me, they get saved, Jesus does something radical in their life, and they're like all like, gung-ho for God. You know what I'm talking about? Like every Facebook post, God's God's good, God's good, God's good, God's good, God's good, Krispy Kreme, God's good, God's good, right? Like, so like, it's just like this. So they're like in it, you know what I mean? Like every person they talk to, you know what I mean? You talk to some of their old friends and they're like, man, this one's weird now. All right. So like, it's part like they're, they're just, they've given their life to God and then they blow it. In a moment of low mentally or emotionally or even spiritually, a low place, they make a decision and, And they'll come to our office and they'll sit down and and, and maybe they talk to some religious person or whatever and they're like, man, if you you actually love Jesus, if you were really saved, you would have never done that. And... And so they'll sit in our office and they'll say, I don't even know if I'm really saved. I don't even know if, I re- if Jesus really loves me because I did this thing. And here's what we'll ask them. We'll, we both ask them the same thing. We'll say, listen, you know, the, I, in particular, one that I can think of, uh, they, they were addicted to drugs, got saved. And then in a, in a weak moment, they went back and they got high. And I said, how did you used to feel when you get high? Oh, man, I loved it. It was the greatest thing. You know what I mean? It was, I, lo- like, I lived for it every day. And I said, how did you feel this time when you got high? He said, The second I stopped, I felt terrible. I, kn- I knew halfway through that I shouldn't be doing it. And by the time I was done, I felt so bad. And I said, Brother, you are saved. Because the old you didn't even recognize you needed to put it down. Just because you messed it up once, this, like the identifier that you're now saved by grace is that even when you tried to go back to do it, Jesus wouldn't let you go. Grace puts its grip in you so that when you mess up, you know you messed up. So that you're brought back to Jesus, not covered in shame because now you feel like you can't come to Jesus, right? That's why I love Titus 2, 11 through 13. It says this, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, say all men, and women, for the record, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope, blessed hope, and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. We should live this way, is what it's trying to say. But this is hard, right? Anybody got struggles? Anybody still dealing with some stuff? Come on, let's give comfort to the new people in the room. Anybody got a problem they're still working through? Yeah. All right, very good. You're making me feel bad about me and me. You know what I'm saying? I'm just. I'm just it's God's grace that reminds you of where you haven't gotten it together yet because you're convicted about the things God's trying to get out of you. Listen, that's a good thing. God, the gospel moves you. Listen, I want you to understand this. The gospel moves you. From performance-based grind to proximity-based grace. I'm going to say it again. The gospel moves you from a performance-based grind. How many does your faith life feel like a grind where you're just trying to check all the right boxes? I mean, as long as I can do a lot of the good things and stay away from the bad things, me and God are good. I'm here to tell you today, the gospel, the good news about what Jesus came for, grace comes to move you from a performance-based grind. That's not the gospel. That's not the good news. Listen. To a proximity-based grace. It's not about how well you're doing today. It's who are you close to today. Are you close to Jesus today? You're going to mess some stuff up. That's why he doesn't say get out. He says stay. You're going you're to blow it. That's why he didn't say get out. He says stay. Here, what, here's what works-based religion does. Right On the days that you're killing it, you get boastful. And on the days that you're not, you get shameful. Have you guys ever heard this, the poem, the footprints poem, the story about the footprints, they're walking on the beach, right? And it's like, there were two sets of footprints and I was walking next to God. And then there was one set of footprints. And I was like, God, how come you left me? And he was like, it was then that I carried you like he, Okay. We're all there. All right. Okay. So like songs so were all together. Right. I love that poem, but it's just not true. Because there was never two sets of footprints. There was only ever one set of footprints. Because there's never been a day in your life where you were walking. You were always being carried by God's grace. Like, there was never a day you were doing anything. Like the only reason you woke up today is because God graced you to wake up today. Right? So on the days that you're killing it, God's grace helped you kill it. And the day that you're not killing it, God's grace is carrying you in spite of your failures. It's always God's grace that's holding us. Right? Which is why he doesn't say get out. He says stay, because he knew this going in, right? Gospel workspace is about works, but the gospel base, the grace concept is: I didn't do blank today. I didn't fall into my addiction, give into my anger, get like open up my porn page. I didn't like I didn't cuss anybody out today, right? Like I didn't do blank. Thank you Jesus that you helped me with that. And then there's days where you did fall into those, and it's thank you Jesus that your grace covered me on that. It's that he's always available. Why? The next thing in your notes grace brings freedom. Grace brings freedom, not just from your sin, but from the shame that comes from your sin. And that's why it's beautiful. This, this stories. listen, this is, again, it's not a permission to go do whatever you want. It's to know that in a pursuit of God where you fail, his grace picks you up. He's got you, which brings me to my next point grace gives us confidence in what Jesus has done. Grace gives us confidence in what Jesus has done. There's this idea behind two biblical concepts we're going I want to talk about one today, and it's how grace brings us to this already and not yet story of the cross. I want to say it again. Grace brings us to this already and not yet story of the cross, right? And what I mean by that is this You are already everything God has made you to be because of the grace of Jesus Christ. And yet you are not yet who God has made you to be because we're still sinful and we still have some stuff we're dealing with. Does that make sense? So Jesus loves you so much that he made you whole through grace. You are already able to stand before God as righteous, even though you're not righteous. You're already there, even though you're not yet there. And that paradox makes it difficult for us. Am I right? Because I'm like, I'm already, but not yet. Right? That doesn't work anywhere else. I'm not already, but not yet skinny. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I'm not already, but not yet a bodybuilder. You know what I'm saying? Like, Like, I'm not, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not already, but not yet a hip hop artist. Right? I'm not already, but not yet a chef. I'm not already, but not yet a CEO. Well, anyways, but you're you're not, I'm not already, but not, it doesn't work anywhere else. But hear me, it works with grace. You are already everything that God is making you, but you are not yet the thing that God is making you. And that's a paradox we have a hard time wrapping our head around. That's why when we mess it up, we run away. Because we know we're not yet something, but we forget we are already that which we are not yet. And that's what grace does. It makes us something that we can't make ourselves. So on the days where you're not killing it, on the days where you're not doing well, on the days where your anger does get the best of you, on the days where your anxiety or whatever consumes you, listen to me, you're already everything Jesus died to make you. Even though you're not yet what Jesus died to make you. And that should give us great comfort. Because I don't know about you, I think I remind myself a lot more of what I'm not yet, more than I already am. I look in the mirror a lot more often and tell myself what I'm not. Way better than I tell myself what I am. You're not this, and you're not good enough, and you're not, and we deal with all of those things way more. And so grace gives us confidence in what Jesus, listen, he's already done it. Philippians 1.6, I am certain that the God who began, say began, in other words, he already started it. He, who began the good work in you? How many guys are glad Jesus is doing a good work in you? Right? Yes. Who began the good work within you will continue. Say praise God. Praise God. Will continue. Listen, your screw ups doesn't mean God's finished with you. Let it settle in. Selah. Your mess ups, he will continue his work until when it's finally finished. When does that happen? 2023, because then you'll have been saved three years and surely you should have gotten it together by now. When is it finished? On the day when Christ Jesus returns. You ain't going to get it right until you get to heaven. You ain't going to get it right until you meet Jesus face to face. You're going to try and you should. The days that you get it, thank you, Jesus. On the days that you don't, Thank you, Jesus. And that's where we need to be. Listen, God will finish it. So the gospel moves you, listen, from working to earn God's favor to serving because you received God's favor. I'm going to say it again. The gospel moves you from working to earn God's favor to serving because you received God's favor. Here's what I mean by that. For some of you, you're trying to be a good person in life and you're trying to kill it and you're trying to be the best husband or wife. You're trying to be the best mother or father. You're trying to be the best student. You're trying to be the best employee. You're trying to be the best boss. You're trying to do all of those things. And none of those things are wrong. But if you're trying to do those things so that you can get God's favor, I'm here to tell you, stop. Because you'll you'll always feel like you're failing. But if you'll do all of those things because you've got God's er, favor, now you're in a special place. And that's what I love about this. So what happens? Grace establishes, the third thing grace does, it establishes our identity. It establishes our identity. The Bible puts it this way, actually, it says, as sons and daughters. Which brings us back to that don't call dad thing. Because at some point, listen to me, in your Christian journey, you got to go from don't call dad to I need to call my dad. Now, I really think it's weird when people call God dad, for the record. And daddy really freaks me out, so I can't, I can't deal with that. Okay, so just for the record, that's a thing in Christian circles. I, yeah, But nonetheless, I do think there's something there when we, we, we need to view God through the lens of the person we need the most, not the person we're trying to get away from. I need my dad, because he's the only one that can fix this. Let me rephrase I need God. Because I'm really not doing well right now. And he's the only one that can fix this. That's where we got to come back to, which is why I think it's great. Hebrews 4.16, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. That scripture is important because why would we need mercy and grace if we weren't in a time of need? You don't need You don't need it when you don't need it, but you need it when you need it. So John 1, 17, it says this, For from his fullness we have received grace, listen to me, upon grace. Now why would the text use that redundantly? Because I'm going to need grace today, but I'm going to need even more grace than I think I'm going to need. And then when I'm doing well and I don't need grace, I need grace that day because I'll get self-righteous about the grace I didn't need and then need grace. Anybody relate? Anybody forgot you needed God on a particular day? You ever been like, oh man, today I'm killing it. And God's like, yeah, no, you're still terrible. <laughs> right? Like, for real. Like, so we need grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. What he means by that is in the Old Testament, the law of what they should and should not do as God's people was given through Moses. But everyone failed at the law. Which is why he said grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Jesus came because we could never get the law right, where it says, "Thou shalt not." We were like, "No, we shout," <laughs> right? And we mess it up. So Jesus comes to bring grace and truth. But here, and this is a beautiful thing we need to understand, because grace without truth is no grace at all, and truth without grace is no truth at all. For many of us, we've tried to live under truth, but we've lived without grace, and we always felt condemned. And for some people, they've lived with, without truth and under grace, and they wonder why they're not changing. You've got to have both. You've got to have what Jesus did for the woman who was caught in adultery. Neither do I condemn you. Grace. Now go and sin no more. Truth. Because that's the only way we actually change. We need Jesus for that, but we also need people for that. Which is why at TC, we have groups. Yeah. Yeah. And groups are amazing because it helps people change. God changes us, but we need people to be like, hey, 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 Don't do that. You're like, you're right, dog. You're Right? Right? <laughs> And for some of you, God is calling you to maybe even start a group this season. And I want to uh, show you a video of some people, some amazing friends of ours that started a group last season uh, and how God used them to help impact other people. Let's watch it, guys.
1: My name is Jessica. My name is Eileen. RTC Group's name was called uh, Life Unmasked, and it is a group full of women. So, women from um, all different walks of life, mothers, single women, widows, married women, young baby Christians, seasoned saints.
2: We had a little bit yes. of everything. I think that was the, the beauty, the, the dynamic, because it was like from different backgrounds, different ages. Mm-hmm.
1: So we got together on Saturday mornings, we ate. Um, we also went to coffee shops and, you know, had a bite to eat or a drink or here and there. Um, we had an actual curriculum, so we had a book that we followed, which honestly was great as a guide, mm-hmm. but a lot of it was kind of Holy Spirit inspired. So um, what we kind of went in thinking we were going to talk about, the Holy Spirit had a other plans for and it was great and that's how it should be.
2: I remember the first meeting, it was like, (sighs) crazy, (laughs) but it was in a good way, you know.
1: I was very nervous about starting this group. I was concerned because it was my first time leading a group. Um, I had gone through a, a bit of a challenging season before and so I was worried that I would even
2: have the capacity to do it. It was my first time. And even though I know Jessica, it was like, I don't think I'm ready for this. Yeah. I'm not not sure if I'm capable to even lead other ladies. It allowed me to
1: see them outside of a Sunday experience. And that's the purpose of our groups is to see each other do life together from Sunday to Sunday. A lot of times we just encouraged each other caught up on the week, um, affirmed each other through scripture. We had ladies that weren't really vocal in the beginning because they were new to TC and new to God and new like this whole thing, building relationship with women. Mm-hmm. You know, it was different for them, but by the end, it was, I mean, they were talking, engaging praying, talking about what they're going to do for next season, Um, even, I mean, getting baptized. You know, there's so much that happens, and I think we say it enough here, you know, freedom exists in the context of relationships, because it does, it really, really does. I don't have
2: to be perfect. I don't have to know all the scriptures. I don't need to be a scholar. I just have to be willing, be a willing vessel, and love people and be vulnerable. That's one thing that we always encourage. The beauty is that we never thought that we were going to gain so many friends.
1: But the most important thing that I learned through the process was that vulnerability and consistency definitely are rewarded. Whatever group you join, um, whether it's curriculum based or you're going to eat lunch somewhere or whatever, Um, No matter what your schedule is, because we're all busy, life is going to keep happening. Don't be afraid to say yes. Even if it's like, yes, (laughs) just say yes. And God will honor that. He'll definitely honor your obedience.
0: Even if it's like, yes. (laughs) Um, We need people in our lives. To help us, and so uh, groups are coming up. They're going to launch in the next couple weeks, and maybe you want to start a group. You can get all that information at mitc.life. Um, But here's the reality: it's that we need we need people. We need Jesus, man. Grace holds you. And with with Judas and Peter, I kind of wanted to revisit that story as we ended today because when Judas and Peter are coming to the table, and and Jesus tells them, "You're going to mess this up," and so. Lo and behold, they both do exactly what Jesus said they were going to do, cuz he's not wrong. They run out and, and and Judas goes and he he tries to go back to the religious people that he got the 30 pieces of silver from and so he goes back and he tries to give the silver back and they're going, "Not our problem now." Cuz he's trying to ease his conscience. Says, "I I want you to have it back. I did the wrong thing." And but the, the reality is Judas goes back to the place that he sinned to try to undo with his own power what he messed up in his own power. But listen to me, you can't undo through yourself what you need Jesus to fix. Some of you are trying to get yourself together so you can come to Jesus when Jesus says, you got to come to me so that I can help get you together. So Judas does that. But I want us to look at what Peter did. Jesus looks right at Peter and says, you're going to deny me three times. Peter's like, nah. Jesus is like, hmm. I want you to think for a second how, G- how, how Peter is feeling in this moment because he has given his whole life to this. I'll follow you anywhere, Jesus. Everybody else might bail on you, not me. I'll cut a dude's ear off for you. And he did. Like, I'll do whatever it takes. And he does. Whatever you need, Jesus, I've got you. I'll never deny you. And can we identify with that? Because I believe for most of you, your faith is real enough that you want to be able to look at Jesus and say, I'll never forsake you. I'll never let you down. I'll never do any of that. And Jesus looks at you and goes, but you will. You will. And my question to you is this. When Jesus looks at you and says, but you are, you're going to mess this up. Do you do what Judas did? And go try to get yourself together, or do you do what Peter did? Because despite Peter hearing that he was going to blow it, he still followed Jesus until he did. Jesus is like, hey, Peter, you're going to mess this up. And Peter's like, maybe I will, dog. This is my version. That's not in the text. Okay, so (laughs) maybe I will, Jesus. But if I mess it up, I'm going to do it close to you, not far from you. And that's what grace does. Are you going to mess this up? You're probably going to mess this up. Are you going to lose your temper? You're probably going to lose your temper. Are you going to lash out at somebody? You're probably going to do that. Are you still going to deal with unforgiveness problems? Yeah. Are you still going to battle your addiction? Probably. Are you still going to go through life dealing with your anger? Yeah. Are you going to wake up every day having to lay something down at the foot of the cross that you're Looking to Jesus to help you not pick back up? Yeah, you're going to do that. But when you fail, listen to me, please. I want you to get this. Fail close to him. And in the Bible, when Peter denied Jesus three times, this is what the text says. We don't have time to go there, but this is what it says. He says, Jesus looked at him and Peter locked eyes with him. That means even in his failures, he was within the eyeshot of Jesus. He never left his sight. And listen to me. If you're going to fail, newsflash, you are. Do it within eyesight of the only one that can forgive you when you do. He's not looking at you and saying, get out. He's looking at you and saying, stay. I want you to stay. Grace exists to bring you to God with all of your hurts, all of your hangups, so that on your worst day, he carries you. And on your best day, he still carries you. And that's what we need. Am I right? So let's praise God for grace this morning. Amen. Let's give it up for Jesus all across this place. Thank you. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray right now for every person that's here. God, for some of us, this is a new concept we're having to grab a hold of this morning because we are not Judas, but like Judas, I believe many of us keep trying to go back and fix ourselves rather than just getting close to you to let you fix us. So God, for every person that is watching online, that's in the room right now, who believes that to be close to Jesus means getting it all together, I I pray right now that you would break that mentality and show them that it has never been about them getting it all together. It's always been about being as close to you as we can because it's your grace that does in us what we can't do for ourselves. And so God, we thank you that you're holding us and you're carrying us in this space. Thank you for grace because that's what we need. So, God, for every person that's been under the bondage of religious shame because of their faults and failures, God, I pray right now that you set them free to follow you and worship you in Jesus' name. If you're here today and the first step of grace is to be saved. And if you're here today and you need Jesus to transform your life. You need Jesus to forgive you of your sins so that you can repent, you can change directions, and you can start following Jesus. But it all starts by saying, Jesus, when you went to that cross, you paid for my sins, and I'm believing in you that I am now set free, and I'm giving you my life. And today, if that's you, I want to introduce you to him because it's the greatest thing you could have in your life. And so right now. I'm gonna pray with you. And if that's you, I want you to pray with me out loud. We're gonna repeat this prayer. And it doesn't make you saved. It just puts words to the actions of your heart that says, Jesus, I'm believing in you. But as you do that, I'm believing that Jesus is gonna start working some things out in you and bringing you close. So if you repeat this prayer after me, if you're saying, Jesus, I'm believing in you. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my wrongs. I know I've messed up, but your grace it's sufficient for my sins. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. And so I give you my life. Make me brand new. In Jesus' name. Come on, church. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. TC, let's give it up for all those that prayed that. Perhaps for the first time. And we celebrate with you. Awesome, awesome, awesome.